The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 39 The Stars That Cross, Part 2 Alexander's guard woke him up early the next day. You have a guest, the guard informed him. So he got up, dressed, and stepped out into the receiving area of his room. There stood a beautiful woman. She was dressed in bright colors, blues and golds, woven through her delicate robes. Is this him? the woman asked the guard. Is this her? Alexander asked almost simultaneously. The guard pointed to the woman. Yes, this is him. He answered, and then he pointed to Alexander. No, this is not her, he said. I'm sorry. Do I know you? Alexander looked confused. No, you do not. My name is Thalia. I am one of the Queen's ladies. It has become known to us that you wish to meet the Queen. The problem is, it has become known to the Queen that you wish to meet the Queen. You can understand over time how tiring the constant visits are, but I owe a favor to the man who brought you here, and I really enjoyed your song, so we have devised a plan. If you truly wish to see her, then you're going to need a disguise. May I take your measurements? Of course. What kind of disguise? First, let's see if you're suited for it. Remove your clothes. Why? I have to know what I'm working with. Now, don't ask questions, just do as I say. If you can't follow orders, then this isn't going to work. Yes, I understand. Alexander immediately removed his clothes and stood naked before the woman and quietly waited as she took measurements of his entire body. When she was finished, she stepped up to him. The last thing she did was check his height to her own. They were equal. We're going to disguise you as one of the queen's ladies. She has been told that a princess is visiting. You're going to pose as that princess. I can't. I, I wouldn't know how. Can I? No, there's some other way. <laughs> You're not very tall for a man. You also have very little muscle. And to be honest, not much in the way of endowment. When you sing, you sing like a girl. All you need to do is also talk like a girl. I have worked with the players before, and it's been my job to transform young men into women. You only have to do it long enough until you're satisfied. Then we'll make an excuse and sneak you out. So, just for the day? Just for the hour, if you wish. I can do that. Of course you can. With my help. Thalia began her work. She had cases containing different costumes and accessories. She had makeup and wigs. She took most of the morning fitting them, balancing them. And when she was done, she stepped back, admiring the beautiful woman she felt she had created. There you are. She turned to the guard. What do you think? I think that if he gets caught, they're going to execute him. What? Alexander asked. Don't listen to him. This is your only chance. If you don't do this, you might as well pack up and go home. I want to do it. It's okay. It's worth the risk. All right. But there's no time to relax. There's more work to do. Then, tonight you'll see the queen. She assured him. Alexander smiled and turned a little in his outfit, allowing it to flow back and forth. Does it feel good? She asked. 
It feels amazing, he admitted. She worked with him all day on how to walk, how to talk, how to sit. There were things he would have never thought of, and he was appreciative of her attention. And then she finally announced, Okay, you're as ready as you ever will be. Just two more things. First, you must pick a new name. A new name? I don't know. In my dreams, sometimes I'm a girl, and everyone calls me Anna. It's as good as anything else. Anna, it is. And the last thing before we take you to see her is this. The exact location of the Queen's chambers within the walls of this palace are a secret. Many people wish to kidnap the Queen, and it's been a constant fear in her life. So, to guard against that, only the people that need to know where it is are allowed to. Thalia lied. So, until the Queen trusts them, all her new ladies need to be led in and out of her chambers wearing a blindfold. A blindfold? Don't worry. Once you're in the chamber, the Queen will allow you to take it off. Uh, eventually, Thalia said with a slight smile that made Alexander nervous. Don't you want to see her? This is the only way. Thalia held up a long piece of black silk. Alexander nodded. Yes, it's okay. Go ahead. Thalia very carefully wrapped the silk around his eyes. Comfortable? Yes, he said. Then, it's time to go. Thalia led him through the palace, taking turns she didn't have to, going directions that were superfluous, doubling back and coming around again up to the same path, until she knew he would be completely lost. Then she brought him to the queen's chamber. Helen sat waiting for her new guest. She knew everything. She'd heard of the prince and his desire to see her. She heard about his song and listened to the others try to retell what it was like. She wanted to hear it, but she didn't want to comply to Menelaus's demands that she attend dinner. She would not be ordered around, not even by a king. It was Thalia who suggested this little joke. She said the prince was short in stature, and with very little effort she could probably convince him to dress like one of them. Then the queen would meet him without anyone knowing. And also, wouldn't it be fun to tease the young prince? Helen agreed, and all of her ladies sat in anticipation. As he entered the chambers, blindfolded, it was hard for the girls not to giggle. Helen shushed them, not wanting to let Alexander know that they were on to him. He stood before them, blindfolded. "'Is this her?' asked the queen. "'Yes, my queen,' replied Thalia. "'What is her name?' "'It's Anna, your highness.' "'Anna, why are you here?' "'I'm here in friendship, your highness.' Alexander spoke quietly, remembering to keep his voice high. He imitated his sister Polyzena. He always found her voice pleasant. It was her voice he sang with. And where are you from? I am from Ilium, your majesty. Who are your parents? I am the daughter of King Priam and Queen Hecuba. Then you must know the prince who came here to court. What was his name? Alexander, Thalia replied. Are you his sister? I am. Alexander lied. Well then, little princess, how long do you plan to stay with me? I will stay until you dismiss me. That is quite a commitment. Won't they miss you back in Ilium? They may, but they do not know where I am. So if they do, there is nothing they can do about it. I have made my own decision to come. I have taken control of my own life, even if that decision was to give that control to you. Alexander explained carefully. Anna... The court is completely taken with a song your brother sings. 
Unfortunately, I have not been able to hear it. Do you know it? I do, your majesty. You no longer need to be so formal. When we're here, we're all friends. Call me Helen if you need to. I will, your majesty. <laughs> Alexander said, and then realized his mistake. The queen laughed. It takes some getting used to. Now, the song. Will you sing it for me? I would love to sing it for you, but I don't have a lyre. Oh, don't worry. I made sure they brought your brothers with you. Come, sit here. Helen took his hand and led him over to the couch covered in pillows and cushions. Thalia handed her the lyre, and Helen set it in his hands. I'm sorry, my queen, but I am not as skilled as my brother. I can't play blindfolded. Alexander lied. He could easily play the instrument blindfolded. You don't need to be blindfolded here, Helen explained. I give you permission to remove it, she said. As Alexander took it off, the world was bright for a moment, and then his eyes adjusted. There were five other girls surrounding him, and he looked between them to see if he could tell which one was the queen, when he heard a laugh from behind a veiled curtain. <laughs> oh, I'm over here, Helen said. She was sitting on her bed. It was on a platform above the rest of the couches and cushions. Surrounding it was a thick, barely translucent veil. Alexander could only make out her silhouette. Go ahead, little princess, play. Alexander played once again the song, and it had the desired effect. The girls laughed and giggled at the innuendos. Helen begged him to stop when the horse spoke. He finished the song and took a small bow. Thank you, my queen. Your applause is too kind. No, no, Anna. They were well-deserved. Tell me, do women in your country really lay with their horses? I wouldn't know. I'm not even sure it's possible. But the song is an allegory. It has a deeper meaning. Explain. Despite the comedy, there is truth to it. The kingdom of Ilium breeds the finest horses in all the world. The horse trade has become so important to the economy that nothing else is really sold out of the city. Even the horses here in Sparta are mostly from Ilium. What the woman represents is the city itself, so enamored with the horses that she disregards everything else in her life to have them. Also, the horses. They breed better in Ilium. Somehow, when they are brought to other countries, their offspring don't seem the same. They are not as strong. They don't take to their training as well. Many of the kings and generals who rely on them often hire trainers from Ilium to care for them. So the song sings about the love of the city for the horses, and of the horses for the city. But no one actually loves the horses. I don't know. I have not loved a horse. But I have heard that sometimes, when people are lonely, they do many strange things. If I were to hear a story about a man or a woman loving a horse, I wouldn't immediately dismiss it as impossible. Alexander explained. The girls all laughed. For the first time in the story, Eurysthe spoke, breaking the narrative. That explains Edgar. He must have been from Ilium. He said. Penelope contemplated this thought. Hmm. The players. It would be some time before the players gathered. Could Edgar grow up to be involved in this? He was so small. So thin. I'll have to read his future later, she thought. What if he is? What if he is Alexander? 
What if he wished to someday dress as a woman? Would you let him? She asked Luke. Of course I would. I love him. I really do. He's my son. And if I'm wrong about that and one day he tells me so, I will love whoever they turn out to be. He may not be physically mine, but that doesn't change anything of what I feel. But you're not his mother. I'm nobody's mother. Who will be? Why do you ask? Would you like to apply for the position? Penelope turned to look Eurycity in the eyes. I would be honored. I truly would. Why haven't you asked me? Aren't you looking for Ulysses? Have you changed your plans? Is today not enough for you any more? Would you like tomorrow as well? Eurycity asked hopefully. What if it's not true? What if none of it is true? What if there is no Ulysses? I'm not Penelope, and the general is just a madman. What if I'm throwing away the best thing that ever happened to me, trying to fulfill a dream I had as a child? I don't know. I can't answer that. But I know that there are questions that shouldn't be asked until both people involved know what the answer will be. I do have a question for you, but I don't think you're ready to answer it yet. You're right. I need more time. Then you're in luck. We have all the time in the world, Eurycity claimed. All the time in the world, thought Penelope. Will he never stop tempting fate? What happened to Alexander? Helen was happy with Alexander. Penelope's story began again. She invited him to stay, telling him that she accepted him as her new lady and companion. She told him he should make himself comfortable. She did not leave her bed and remained hidden behind the veils surrounding it. The other girls took him to show off their accommodations. They showed him where they slept, all in the same room, all on large mattresses covered with pillows and blankets. It was hard to tell where one began and one ended, they showed off their makeup and their perfumes, then led him to their private bath. It was less of a bath and more of a series of man-made pools, some of them steaming with hot water. By then, they were getting along and everyone gathered near Helen's bed. Alexander could see her silhouette behind the curtain. They told stories about their lives, some of them about romances they were having around the palace, others of their lives before they came to the palace of the small dramas that life brings. The stories were comical and sweet, often ending in a marriage or a dalliance. Although Helen didn't tell a story of her own, she laughed and commented with everyone as if she was sitting among them. Alexander continued to watch her, always peeking glances up at the silhouette. One by one, the girls fell asleep, each of them succumbing during one story or another. And every time someone fell asleep, it got a little quieter, a little softer, the laughter became not as loud, and the storyteller would whisper a little more. Until there was just Alexander left awake. Alexander and Helen. Come here. Come closer, Helen whispered. Alexander carefully stepped around the sleeping girls. He sat next to the veil, kneeling at Helen's bed. Have I been cruel to you today? No. Today has been one of the best days of my life. Alexander explained. You've come a long way. You've risked a lot just to see me, 
and I won't let you. You've given up your family and your life, possibly forever. I know who you are, Alexander. You've come to make a bargain with me, and I've refused to pay up. If I stayed behind this veil for the rest of my life, if I never allowed you to see my face, would you still be my companion? My queen, all of my life I have had dreams. I have dreamt that my life could be something more. My brothers dreamed that they could be strong, but I dreamed that I could be beautiful. I don't know why I wasn't like them. I am the youngest, but by now I should be taller than I am. I should be stronger than I am. Somehow, fate touched my life and sculpted my body, because it knew this was the body I would need to be here right now. If I never get to see your face, it does not mean I don't get to see your beauty. I can see your love for these girls, for a peaceful and quiet life despite the madness around you. And even as you tease me, you are gentle and kind. If the cost of staying with you would be to wear the blindfold forever, or even to take my sight like Oedipus, I would happily pay that price to serve you. Can you get your blindfold? Helen asked. Alexander found it among the things he discarded. Put it on, Helen instructed, still whispering. Alexander did as she asked, and sat next to the bed. Alexander, Prince of Ilium. There is a price to pay for what you want. You have to prove you are not here to steal me. You are not here like all the others in attempt to possess me. I will never be your queen. I will never go with you to Ilium as a wife. But if you lay down your claim of royalty, if you lay down your manhood, if you give up your name and become simply my Anna, then you may stay here. My queen, I have already done these things, but they were not for you. I did them to fulfill my dreams. I did them for myself, said Anna, the blindfold covering the tears of joy in her eyes. Then, come to me, Anna. My feet are cold, and I need someone to warm them tonight. You may sleep at the foot of my bed. Helen helped Anna through the curtain and onto the large bed. She sat her down and touched her cheek. Then, reaching behind her head, she untied the blindfold. At first, Anna was stunned. She could not process how beautiful the queen was. She had found the portrait hypnotizing, and the difference between the portrait and the reality had no comparison. She was beyond beautiful. I know. Surprising, isn't it? I'm just a woman like any other... I was ten years old when they called me the most beautiful woman in the world, and I killed the man who pinned that on me. It's been so many years since then, and for some reason they still expect me to be that child. Every king who demands an audience, every merchant who pays half their fortune to Menelaus, just to get a glimpse of me, is always so crestfallen the moment their fantasies crash into the reality of me. To be honest, I find you more beautiful than I am right now. Thalia is a magician, isn't she? I have to confess, I saw you before. I have my ways of sneaking around the palace unnoticed. Most of the time, I dress as one of my ladies, too. No one outside this room really knows me well enough to tell the difference, 
But before you looked sad and uncomfortable. Now you shine. You glow with beauty. I like you better like this. No, Helen. Every word, every syllable, every concept and idea of your legend is deserved. I have never in my life felt like this. Anna, there's no need to lie between us. You don't have to flatter me. I have met many women looking for a husband. I have met many men looking for a friend to spend their time with. But none of them, man or woman, despite their interest in me, ever made me feel as I do now. How do you feel? I want to please you. I want to give you everything within me. I don't want to possess you. I want to be possessed by you. Anna said quietly. Helen leaned forward and kissed her on the lips. Just once, and the warmth of the moment spread through them both. You are a ball of fire, my little Anna. Stay here tonight. Sleep at my feet. And warm my bed, little fireball. Helen leaned back, smiling, laying on the bed, watching Anna as she curled up at her feet. It wasn't long before Helen was asleep, and Anna tried to stay up watching her, but she found peace within herself and comfort she had never experienced. The journey of her life to find the answer and the fulfillment of her dreams had fallen into place, and with all her worries, relieved she slept. The next day, the girls truly welcomed their sister into their home. They agreed that from now on her name was Anna, and the secret of her presence among them would never be spoken outside of the chamber. As the days passed, each and every one of them became dear friends to her. Each of them taught her their version of femininity. They laughed with her when she enjoyed the simple things she never could before. She played for them on the lyre any time they wished. And at night, she would sleep at Helen's feet. Anna? Helen awoke in the middle of the night. Yes? How can I help you? The night is colder than expected. Can you lie next to me instead of at my feet? It would be my pleasure, she said as she moved up to lay beside the queen. Helen put her arm around her and pulled her in, kissing her lightly on the curve of her neck from behind. That's perfect. Thank you, she said and went back to sleep. Anna could not. Her heart was racing, her body flushed, but she stayed still, not daring to move, until Helen woke again in the morning. Helen stretched and yawned, and then sat up and pushed Anna down into the mattress, her hands holding down her shoulders, her face hovering above Anna's. Anna, I'm happy this morning. Would you like to please me? Helen smiled at her as she took a quick kiss of her lips. I... I... Don't know if I can. Anna attempted to squirm out from under the queen's grasp. But with her shoulders pinned down, she didn't have the strength. Don't you love me? Yes, I love you. Don't you want to show me how much you love me? Y yeah, I do, but... You're afraid. Why? I, I can't. I've never been able to. It's hard to explain... But the physical mechanics of love have never worked for me. Anna tried. Helen looked confused. The tools that men are given, mine are broken. She tried again. Oh! I see. That's okay. I don't want that from you anyway. 
Helen looked away for a moment and then looked back into her eyes. Anna, sometimes people say that I'm selfish, a spoiled queen on her throne of pillows. But the truth is, something in me is broken too. I don't want to be taken. In so many ways, that is my greatest fear. Right now, I want to please myself. I want to use you to do it, and when we're done, we'll rest until I want to do it again. You don't have to be good at it. All you need to do is as you've always done. Only what I say. I will, with joy. Anna smiled and closed her eyes. Helen touched her face and kissed her again. And there was joy. Two people, one who could only give and one who could only take, found a way to be everything for each other. They were not perfect, and they knew it, but together they invented a love just for them. Love can be expressed in so many different ways. This one was on their terms. It was what each of them wanted. Not the way others would, but for them, it was perfect. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. Thank you.